0: Good morning. If you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Acts, chapter 3, Acts 3. You know, we've been going through the Bible, and you know, really, that's the way the Bible says we're supposed to study God's Word. Line upon line, precept upon precept. You know, otherwise, you get just my favorite topics, you get just my favorite sermons. But you know, when you teach the entirety of God's Word, God's Word has a way of balancing our understanding of who he is, it keeps misinterpretations away. And again, when Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, I believe that's so important that we don't believe a bunch of dumb stuff that ain't in the Bible. So if you got your Bible again, Acts chapter 3. We remember in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples Jesus said, go to the upper room and wait. The Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, they were all believers, but God was going to do something special for them. And I believe for us even today. And that is that he puts into us a dynamo, a generator. Now, I know that living every day can kind of wear you out. I know sharing your faith can wear you out. You need something supernatural put into you that keeps you going, even though everything in your life says stop. Well, that's what God does. Remember, Jesus had been crucified. They did see him ascend into heaven. But Jesus is now gone. And he said, go to the upper room and wait. And the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The word power is the word "dunamos," where we get the word dynamo or generator. Now, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, go to the upper room and the the power to become witnesses will come upon you. The word witnesses there in the Greek is the word martyrs, which means I'll give you the power to be martyrs for your relationship with God. So we realize we're in a hostile world. I don't think anybody here uh you don't have to look at your newspaper very much to realize we're in a very hostile world against anything that's right anything that's good. And this is what the problem is, because in order for people then to deal with the inconsistencies in society, you have to get loaded or stoned. This is why the states in the United States are allowing pot now to be legalized because people can't cope with daily life. So the best way to do it is just stay stoned. Well, is that what God wants for you? No. The Bible says to be instant in season, or out of season. In season, maybe when you're in church, you come out of church, you're out in the parking lot, somebody pulls in, hey, which way is it to Church Road Falls? Well, it's just down the street, by the way, and you break into a conversation. That's in season. Out of season is when you've had a bad day, your lawnmower blew up, it's a 100 degrees, and you're really frustrated, and somebody calls you on the phone with a problem, and you go, I really don't want to talk right now. I've got problems of my own. And we just want to hang up. God says no. The dynamo is what you need to keep you going to do what God called you to do. Well, the power of the Holy Spirit and the believers, that's always going to cause change. It's going to cause miracles and expect that in your life and expect your life to be supernaturally interrupted. I like that about God. You know, people talk about, well, I'm in a rut. A rut, remember, is just a coffin with the ends kicked out. God has a way of spicing up your life. He has a way of bringing new things into your life that maybe you even thought were impossible that could happen. But God has a way of doing things far beyond our understanding. Now, we remember that Peter and John were going up to the temple To pray, the hour of prayer. The hour of sacrifice was noon. The hour of prayer was three o'clock in the afternoon. And they're going up there and they remember a guy begging for a handout. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold we don't have. But what we have, we give you in the name of Jesus rise up and walk, took him by the hand. We talked about the point of contact that oftentimes people need in their faith, took him by the hand and lifted him up. And the Bible says he went walking, leaping and praising God. Well, this caused a stir because in chapter four, it said this man had been lame for 40 years. So it isn't a plant or somebody that was going to fake somebody out. This guy was a well-known beggar there at the gate, beautiful. And Jesus said, what you've seen me do, you're going to do greater things than that. And so we remembered that Peter and John lifted him up and everybody knew it. Everybody knew this guy. He'd been there for 40 years begging alms. Give me a sack of oranges. Give me a couple of shekels. You know, whatever you can do, I'll take, you know. Lay him on his feet. He had to be carried everywhere that he went. The Bible says that's how bad a shape he was in. And he, I really like what the disciples said. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we'll give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. I always want to encourage everybody. Be sure you have that, that you can give. Whatever you receive from God, you can give. If you've led somebody to Christ, or you've been led to Christ, you can lead somebody to Christ. If you've been baptized, you can baptize. If you've been filled with the Spirit, you can pray for somebody to receive the Spirit. All these things God gives us, and we want to be able to say, what we received, we give you. Such a good thing. Well, the old thing, no good deed goes unpunished. We left off last week. Here in, uh, and I'll just read the verse from last week. verse 11 of chapter 3. Now the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. Not because he couldn't walk. I think he was just so overjoyed he couldn't believe it. Notice it says, and it says, All the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's temple, greatly amazed." Now, it doesn't say they were believers. It says they were greatly amazed. I think there's a lot of things that amaze people in the world about the church, but it doesn't make them believers. Well, we're going to get into that now as we continue our study. Father, we just ask you to anoint your word. As we would read these words, that we would remember that not only is it talking about your disciples, but it's talking about us as well and how you'll use us in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. So we find Peter's second sermon. The first one is when they thought they were all drunk with wine when they were filled with the Spirit, because they were speaking in different tongues, worshiping and glorifying God. Now here's Peter's second sermon under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit does some amazing things. And as a matter of fact, as we read up here a little bit farther, it says the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they were really amazed at the wisdom that the disciples had because they were unlearned men. You add God into your life, you will find things you never knew you knew. Because God is the source of knowledge. You know, it's interesting when Solomon was given the kingdom. And Solomon prayed. And he said, God, you've given me this kingdom. I don't know whether I'm coming or going. Now, there, there's the old King James for that. Lord, I don't know where, whether I'm coming in or I'm going out. He said, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. You give me wisdom to run this country and it's weird because when god said ask whatever you want solomon and i'll give it to you he asked for wisdom and god said because you didn't ask for the life of your enemies or to be rich or to have great notoriety or all these other things you asked me for wisdom i will not only give you wisdom but i'm going to give you all the other things as well that's what the bible talks about seek first the kingdom of god his righteousness Everything else will be added unto you. Unfortunately, today, even in the church, we're taught to pursue other things other than the kingdom of God. Use your faith words. Claim your car. Claim your house. Claim your career. Whatever it is, Jesus didn't teach that. He said, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All the other things then will be added unto you. We get the caboose in front of the the engine driving the train. Well, this is where... Peter, now being filled with the Spirit, stands up and talks to the Sanhedrin. and he Or actually to the people that come rushing because of that. Now he says, so Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or look so intently as us, as though by our own power or godliness we've made this man walk? remember this. This will help all of us. Because we oftentimes think, God, why would you ever use me? I'm lower than a bug's belly. You know, I can't look up to see down. Why would you ever use me? Remember, it ain't you, it's God. It's God in you. Christ in you, Paul says, the hope of glory. What a big difference. It isn't you, it's him. And I like that. We're just ambassadors. We're just representatives representing a great God. That's, that's what we do. And the thing is, whether they accept you or reject you, that is not the issue. It's the message that you bring. They either accept or reject. Now he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob The God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. Here it's interesting. He's not blaming the Gentiles for the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, yes, is it true? Pilate who said, I find no fault with him. Let him go. He should have just said, I find no fault with him. End of of message. But and he turned an innocent man over to a mob, and he was crucified. But Peter here says, "It's you that did this." Now, by the way, this is some pretty bold talk here. You got to remember, there's a big crowd of people here. Yeah, let's make them really mad. (laughs) Let's cause a riot here. Well, he said, "You did this." Now, I, I like that. I like the boldness that he had to call sin, sin. Isn't that amazing? Now you would think that a lot of people looking for a life coach would have walked out on Peter and said, I'm going to go to some other church where they make me feel good. But Peter didn't do that. He said, you guys are... What you did was terrible. Now notice, let's read on. But you denied the Holy One, the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. We remember it was customary at that time that one prisoner would be released to them as a goodwill gesture by the Roman government to the Jews. And so they picked Barabbas over Jesus. Barabbas was a revolutionary. Some people believe that Barabbas continued to cause insurrection insomuch that down the road in 70 AD, a lot of what Barabbas did was partly what caused the destruction of, the, of, of, of uh, the city of Jerusalem when Titus, the Roman governor, uh, um, uh, some, the, the Roman general came in and leveled the city of Jerusalem. Uh, be careful who you pick. Uh, be careful who your friends are. Well, anyway, he says, and kill the prince of life, or literally the author of life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name through faith has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. In other words, this is an undeniable, undeniable miracle. You knew what he was. For 40 years, this guy is begged outside this temple And now you see him standing. Undeniable miracle in the presence of you all. Yet now I know you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by mouth of all the prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. What do we do now? He said, you guys did this. Now, notice he doesn't say, you bunch of low-down scumbags. He didn't do that. And I think this is really wise. He addressed what they did, not who they are. And and, and I think that's really important. And I think when we deal with correction, whether it be an employee at your job, whether it be your children, I think it's really important That we don't condemn them, but what they did that was wrong. There's a real difference. We have to be able to separate the sin from the sinner. And if we don't do that, then we move from conviction to condemnation. You load down good for nothing. Kid, you do everything wrong. And instead of saying, you know, you, you shouldn't, you know, shot the, the water on the light bulb, you know, in the, in the, uh, in, in the, in, under the porch, uh, and have it explode, um, you address what they did wrong. And this is what Peter did. This is what Jesus did, even addressing the churches in Revelation chapters two and three. He says, you do this, 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 and this, but I have this against you. I think if we just go to somebody and all we do is everything you do is wrong. I think husbands, wives, if, if if you don't acknowledge what your husband or your wife does, all you want to say is critical things to them, that motivates a person. It motivates them to go as far away from that person as you can get. And that's not what you want. See, in other words, if nothing we ever do is recognized as good, you begin to believe then that you are numbered with the problem. And so instead of addressing the problem, now you're the problem. And that's a bad thing. That's not going to cause a family to grow. It's not going to cause your business to grow. It's not going to allow you to keep any employees. Because if all we do is see ya. And you know it's true. I mean, even if we do something wrong, didn't I do anything right? So notice what he says here. Verse 19. I've circled the number 19 in my Bible. And the reason why I circled it is because this is the conclusion. Okay? He says repent therefore, that means turn around, change the way you think about it, you're going one direction, repent means to go the opposite direction, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come in the presence of the Lord. Man, I'll tell you, we need to be refreshed. You know, you can watch TV and they'll have different Soft drinks, the pause that refreshes. Well, I need something more than what comes out of a can. I need something that's going to last a lot longer than a few gulps. That pause that refreshes means that God separates us, moves, and restores us, and allows us to go on and go back to do what he's called us to do. The refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Again, always remember where our source is. And that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren, for whom a prophet like me you shall hear in all things whatsoever he says to you. And it will come to pass that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. So Moses predicted that Jesus would eventually come, as they all did in the Old Testament. Yes, the prophets from Samuel. And those that who follow, as many have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets of the covenant, which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in you, your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you, In turning away every one of you from your iniquities. That's what God wants to do. Help us get out of our rut we're in. The Bible says, it's not within us to live righteously. I know you've said this already to your children. What's wrong with you? Have you ever said that? It's the old sin nature you're addressing there. That's what it is. And so... Peter is now telling this group of people that were there to come to prayer, seeing this guy healed. Now there's a big crowd around because this guy that was always lame now is standing. And it's the blue light special. Woo! Lights are flashing. Now as they spoke to the people, the priest, the captain of the temple, the Sadducee, came upon them. The word is more in the Greek like like arrested him. They didn't just come upon them. They stopped them from what they were doing. Now, again, the old adage, no good deed goes unpunished. Well, here's an excellent example of that. And it says, being greatly disturbed, that means the... Uh, Priests, the captain of the temple, the Sadducees. By the way, in the next six verses here, you'll find at least 11 people or groups of people came against Peter and John for this guy being healed. In other words, they had gotten a mob up. Now, again, as it says here, the captain of the temple was like the, like the um, um, temple police, if you will. That's who they were. And they were greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now, why is that? Well, you'll notice back here in verse one, it says uh, the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. The Sadducees believed that the Ten Commandments were a very good way to live. Uh, The code you must live by. They believed that. But as far as life after death, miracles, they didn't believe in any of that. They just believed that the law was a good moral way to live. Being excellent one to another. (laughs) Well, that's what their whole idea was. They didn't believe in life after death, nor miracles. That's why they were sad, you see. Okay, that'll help you remember it. Well... It says they were really unhappy that they were preaching that Jesus had rose from the dead and that he was preaching in the name of Jesus, a risen Savior. That bothered them because that didn't fit their theology. Now you're going to find all the way through the Bible, when you teach the Bible, when you understand the Bible, it it corrects bad theology. And believe me, friends, the gamut is wild. When you look at the internet, there is so much heresy that is being that, that is being circulated right now. Crazy ideas. Just nutsy stuff. I had one of the guys call this past week on uh, every man and answer asking me about the book of Enoch. Why is not it canonized? And I said, because it's kooky. It's old. It was written. Some people put it a uh, couple of 300, 500 years before Christ. Um, Jude quotes a saying, it says, As Enoch saith, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. But it doesn't say the book of Enoch. Very important. There's no credibility granted to the book of Enoch. Jesus never quoted from it, nor the Apocrypha. And so because of this, when the early church fathers looked at these early manuscripts... And the way you get rid of a demon, all these different things, they threw it out. It was crazy stuff. Now, just because a book is old, like the time of Christ, doesn't mean it was accurate. If it was junk then, it's junk now. And I get troubled when I hear people quote out of non-biblical canon, trying to make it scripture, like, well, you know, the book of Enoch says, well, the book of Enoch is crazy. Enoch said the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints, but it doesn't say the rest of the book is good, just so you understand that. People will try to quote all kinds of things, but as you read the scripture, it will correct bad doctrine. Now notice it says they preached in the resurrection uh, um, from what Jesus did. And it says, they laid hands on them, put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Now, this is really important. They went up to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. When they healed this guy, it created a ruckus. And so it tells me that from probably 3, 3.15, if you want to look at the day planner here, till the time the sun went down, and this was probably summer because it was after, we remember it was at the time of, of, of um, Passover, which would have been in the spring, 40 days after that, it was getting pretty late. So it was staying late longer. So three o'clock in the afternoon till probably seven o'clock, as it said, it was already evening. Peter was preaching to the crowd of people. Man, he took every opportunity he could to tell people about the Lord. So he goes on and it says, They laid hands on him, they put him into custody overnight. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. Now, at the end of chapter 2, it was 3,000. Now it's growing to 5,000. God is adding to the church because they can see the power of God. And it came to pass on the next day, the rulers, elders, scribes, as well as Ananias, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and many of them of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. So you got to figure Peter and John were battling now a religious misguided mob. Friends, sometimes that's the way it is. You may be the only Christian in your home. You may be the only Christian in in, in, your job. But that doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means they're blind. And so notice it says, And when they had set them in their midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, And I like that. Tells me the dynamo was running. Imagine being in jail all night for healing a guy. They're then placed in the midst of this mob. Whose name did you do this in? And Peter feels that anointing of God come upon him. That filling of the Holy Spirit again. People often have asked the question, why do I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit again if I've already been filled with the Holy Spirit? I leak, okay? I don't know. But whatever it was, God fired up that generator again in him. And notice, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to this helpless man, by what means he has been made well? he He's saying, I'm on trial here. Because a guy that's been lame for 40 years now walks and see, is this why? what I've done wrong, that I've done something good for somebody? Hey, let me tell you something. Enemies will even take the very best things about you and try to exploit them and make them bad. Just the way it is. The reason I like reading this is it gives me a better idea of what I probably, you probably will be up against in the days to come. That when you do something kind for somebody, somebody will try to find fault with it. Well, he says, let it be known to all of you, verse 10, and all of the people of Israel, that the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no under name under heaven given among men, which men must be saved. Wow. Look at this. This is kind of interesting here. He said, You did it. Now, this is really important because as as we find here, verse twelve, this is why Christians cannot get into the world religion, Chrislam, coexist. You know, they have all the different religious systems stars and, and symbols from all the other. That's why we can't. Because here again, it says, nor is there salvation in any other. So being religious, being in a a religion does not save you. Do you realize how blessed and fortunate you are to have known who Jesus Christ is, that he would forgive your sins, and you're not saved by works in in membership, jumping through religious hoops, all the stuff that these religious groups try to get you to do? There's no salvation in any other. I believe it was a, a poll that was done, and they asked Christians, can, by just being a good person, will you go to heaven? These were Christians saying 50% said yes. I don't know what Bible they're reading. It says there's not salvation in any other. John 14, 6, I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but by me Jesus in that verse categorically said all the religions of the world are bogus I didn't say it, Jesus did and I've shared this before you can get into a lot of good conversations have you ever heard of Jesus somebody will say yeah I've heard of Jesus what do you think of Jesus oh he was a great teacher, great teacher Yeah, you, you know that love You know, love uh, grooving together thing oh yeah he was a great teacher really have you ever read of the other things that Jesus said oh like what Well, that Jesus said, no one comes to the Father but by me. So he said, all the other religions of the world are bogus. Well, now, either one of two things. Either Jesus is a liar and not a good teacher, or he is God and he is a good teacher and what he said is true. But you can't have it both ways. It's mutually exclusive. You can't have both. You can't say Jesus is a good teacher and him saying he's the only way to the Father in eternal life. Then he has to be a liar. If he's a liar, then he's not a good teacher. What is he? And I'm amazed how often you will talk to people and you force them to think rather than just parrot what they've heard from somebody else. I, I think I've shared this before, but I used to drive a, a van in Los Angeles from Whittier and the surrounding areas to LAX, John Wayne Airport, Fullerton, all those kinds of things. And and uh, I used to always bring my Bible because sometimes there would be a layover. It would be late. The plane would be late, and so I'd have to go. You know, wait till the plane got there. So I'd bring my Bible and I'd read it. And in a Dodge van in the old '72 uh, and later, they had a motor box up in front, and I would just leave my leave my Bible right up there. And I remember I'm driving driving, and we we're going somewhere, and I've got a van full of people, and this guy reaches over and he. Kind of touches the Bible, and he kind of thumbs through it. And I I said, it's a Bible. He goes, yeah, 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 I know that. And I go, oh, you've read it? He goes, yeah, yeah, I read it. I said, you're a Christian, huh? And he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. And I said, what's a Christian? And just silent. He just was looking out the window. And I thought he just blew me off or he didn't hear me. And probably about a minute and a half later, he said, you got me. I I, I don't know. And I said, let me tell you what a Christian is. And you know what he said to me? I thought you would. And I did. And as I shared with him about the Lord and how God wants to do something in his life, I think it's interesting how not only was able to talk to him, but everybody else that was in the van listening as well. And so when you realize that God will use us wherever he'll find us, hey, friends, that's to me a really neat thing about how God works. So now we find Peter and John on trial for healing this guy in Jesus' name. And by the way, it's always about Jesus. And now Peter is allowed to speak, and as he's speaking, he says, there is no salvation in any other. Now, you've got to remember who he's talking to here. Caiaphas, as it mentions back here in verse um, 6, is the one that stood judge over Jesus' crucifixion. So when you realize these guys were very hostile, from the dark side, Luke, they were very bad, Well, now he says there's no salvation in any other. So now understanding that, it isn't just by being a good guy, keeping the law, you know, not eating pork and all the things that ritualistically in their minds made them holy and pure. He's saying there's no salvation in the name of any other. Notice verse 13, and I just want you all to get this because I think, I know, God will do this for you. You need to understand this. These words are not just words for them, but it's for you as well. Notice what it says. Verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Hey, whatever you're not, and who you are, if you hang around with Jesus, you'll be much more than they ever thought you could be. I like that about God. He will make up the difference of what you aren't, what you don't have. They perceived they had been with Jesus. Proverbs says you're known by the company you keep. You hang around with the Lord, I believe Lord's influence will rub off on you. You hang around people of the world, their influence is going to rub off on you, and not in a good way. And so when he says here, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. They realized They'd been with Jesus. You know, all of a sudden, Peter's quoting the Bible as if he was a biblical scholar. That's what they're talking about here. How did he know all this stuff? Going back to the prophets and mentioning and concerning Abraham and all, that through you all the nations of the world would be blessed. Now, Peter is sounding like a Bible theologian, yet he never went to preschool, he wasn't from the tribe of Levi which was an exclusive right of the tribe of Levi to handle the things of God. Peter is now talking like he was more than they were. That invisible Holy Spirit, expect miracles in your life. That's just what God does. And he says, and seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. You have a living Example of the power of God standing right there. Something interesting here. And But when they had commanded them to go out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, a notable miracle had been done through them is evident to all those who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. The power of God is here. How are we going to erase this? <laughs> Man talk about being convicted. Now, one of the things that you look at this here is they didn't look at Peter and John and say, you know, you stole the body of Jesus and hauled him away someplace and bury him out in the desert. You know that Jesus didn't raise from the dead. That that was a plot amongst you disciples to do this. They never did that. Do you know why? Because everybody knew Jesus had rose from the dead. There was no attempt in any of this interrogation to deny that Jesus had rose from the dead. None. Now again, sometimes you know more about what's going on with you by listening to your enemy. And they never made any attempt to correct that lie, if indeed it was, to Peter and John. So it says they commanded them to go outside. Well, the next question obviously would be, verse 16, saying, What shall we do with these men? For indeed a notable miracle has happened, all Jerusalem knows blah 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 How do they know? Well, it's interesting, Acts 16:10, Paul is talking. And it sounds like Paul was in on this meeting. And that was then conveyed to Luke who wrote the book of Acts. That's why we know what they were saying behind closed doors because Peter knocked them off. He said, this is what they were talking about. They didn't know what to do because you had a standing, living example of a miracle in the name of Jesus. Well, He says this. He says, But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. And from now on, they speak to no man in this name. And they call them in, And commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In other words, the testimony. So that when they had further threatened them, They let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had happened. Wow. God of wonders. That's who you serve. Expect a miracle in your life. Now, if you're not a Christian here this morning, you're still lost bumble-dumbling around in your sins, looking for the meaning of life. You can't cope with it because it's nagging your heart. So you got to stay stoned. Give me another brewski. Give me another bong. Do whatever it takes, man. See, the thing is, life is bigger than us. And we need somebody bigger than us to get us through. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why Jesus gives us a brand new life, a time of refreshing. Isn't that what your soul needs, is a time of refreshing? Man, I'll tell you, I need to be refreshed. I find that I don't just need it on a Sunday. I need it all the time. God does that. If you're not a Christian here this morning, consider Jesus. We're going to pray in a minute, and you can ask the Lord to come into your life, forgive your sins. You can keep running from your sins, or you can ask God to forgive you of your sins. And the way we run is so amazing. We can go into denial that I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm as good as you are. I can just get stoned so that I don't care. I can stay preoccupied, just turn the radio up Louder. But you still have to live with you when you lay your head on your pillow at night. That's what the Bible talks about this morning. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. And you can ask Jesus to come into your life. Repent of the foolish way you have tried to define life your way. And let God do it his way in your life. If you're distant from God, I pray this morning that you would come back to Christ. Realize he's the only way. Everything else in this world is Perishing, if you haven't noticed lately. And that God's got a plan for you. I I say right now, with the way the world is, all hands on deck. God wants every one of you to be part of his kingdom come, his will be done. If you've not been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're lacking the dynamo, I just pray that you would pray this as well. Because we're going to pray that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit. Next week, we'll continue looking this because after Peter and John were so abused by these people, the first thing they did was get into fellowship. They got around fellow believers to encourage them. We're going to talk about the importance of fellowship next week. But if you need to get right with God today, let's pray right now. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life right now. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood covered my sins. So I ask you to bring that time of refreshing to me. Heal my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe Jesus rose from the dead to give me life forever. And so write my name now in your book of life that I never have to be scared of dying ever again. But now I belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen.